All right, our other special guest, uh, six years ago, about this time, we hired somebody to come and be on staff with us here at Deer Creek Church. His name was Brett Weston. He was a, a young man. He had long, flowing hair. Um, he had only five children at the time. He has six now. But um, we hired him to come and be an assistant pastor here with the hopes and the prayers and the dreams of planting a church here um, in the Denver metro area. So he joined staff in 2016. In 2019, we got the privilege of launching Elevate Hope Centennial out of this congregation. I don't know if you admit, if you were here, there were people gathered across the front of this stage that we prayed for and commissioned and sent out. Uh, it was a, a special time. And uh, so they launched in the fall of 2019. We get a chance to hear from Brett today to hear an update on Elevate Hope Centennial and just, just reconnect it's a lot of fun that he's close by. We don't get to see him a lot. But would you welcome Pastor Brett Weston? What's well, great to be back with you all. My name is still Brett Weston. It just was. I can't believe it's six years. That's insane. Thanks for the reminder of that, Tim. Uh, as Tim said, yeah, I'm the pastor of, of Elevate Hope Centennial, which as of three years ago did not exist. That is so uh, crazy. But a church plant out of Deer Creek Church. Um, launched nearly three years ago, and, and what we like to say is we launched to bring the real and lasting hope of Jesus to Metro Denver and beyond. If you're not going to do that, why launch a church, right? And so it's been quite the ride. Uh, church planting is full of joys, full of heartaches. I'll share some of the joys uh, and be sort of vague about some of the heartaches uh, with you this morning, but we do continue to see God's faithfulness um, weekly, monthly, yearly. God is so faithful. Uh, as Tim mentioned, you know, we launched this about three years ago. We were a church for five months, and then COVID hit, and we've all kind of been through that for a church plant that's especially crazy. Uh, we were in person for five months, big launch, people come in, and then we were shut down because we meet in a school. And so we were online for about five or six months, and honestly, a lot of people left. Uh, and, and that was kind of a strange time for churches everywhere in a hard time. But we were shut down for a while. Uh, during that time, though, we were able to continue to minister uh, online. And that sounds kind of cliched at this point, you know, looking back on, on it 2020. But really, we saw a lot of people that we were able to, to reach out to and say, do you need prayer? Do you need hope? Do you need something? We're, we're a church here. We're brand new. I know you've never heard of us, but we would love to help. And people responded. And after we started meeting in person again, people that were ministered to online joined us in person. Uh, and so we get a lot of people at Elevate Hope that, that have sort of given up on God, given up on church. Uh, I think the longest that I've heard was, was over 10 years ago. They just said, I'm done with God, I'm done with church. And so they see our motto, uh, which we just shamelessly ripped from you all. Um, but our motto is a church for people who aren't perfect and don't pretend to be. And so you can imagine seeing that pop up uh, on your newsfeed or seeing that as you're driving down Dry Creek, a sign and saying, okay, maybe, maybe I'll try God again. Maybe I'll try church again. And so we get a lot of people that, that are trying uh, to, to re-engage with faith for the first time. It's really awesome. Uh, we have unchurched families that come. I don't really know why they come, uh, but they just kind of come and listen. Uh, and they're like, this is awesome. This is great. I was like, what's great about it? You know, we talk about judgment and, and, and sin and death and Jesus. And like, but they're like, we love it. Um, 
we, we worship outside every summer, and so we get people um, kind of walking dogs and on the fringe, and they'll kind of sit there, and what are these guys doing? And, and, and we've had a few of those people join us. It's pretty awesome. So JP uh, is preaching out in the extreme heat right now as we speak. Bless his heart. Um, but that's been really awesome. We've had a lot of chance to, to reach out. And, you know, if our vision is to bring the real and lasting hope of Jesus to Metro Denver and beyond, then, then we, we've looked for opportunities to do that. And so uh, this past December, Arapahoe County uh, reached out to us. It was crazy. Uh, and they just said, uh, it was Family Protective Services reached out, and they just said, we've done this outreach uh, every year for uh, families who are in our system to come through and, and get gifts for their, their kids in the holidays, and, and we can't do it this year. We don't have the place. We don't have the people. And for some odd reason, Elevate Hope Centennial is known as a church that cares about its community. And they said, you know what? We're going to call them. And so they called us up and said, would you put on this, this holiday uh, gift shop for these families in, in child services, foster system, protective services? And, and, and we said, we don't even own our own building. But yeah, we'll, 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 we'll rent the school. We'll do it. Um, and then the woman that organized it was not, not a person of, of faith. And she just said, by the way, if you could just pray before uh, we start, can you just, just, just pray over everything? And I was just like, why? I mean, good luck? Or like, what do you want me to like invoke? That, um, but yeah, I'd love to pray. And, and so just pray that, you know, Jesus would be glorified and that, that you know, he would be known. And, and she was like, that was great. That was such a great prayer. And, um, it's like, all right. Uh, so Arapahoe County knows that we care about our city. Cherry Creek Schools called us up during the pandemic, said we, we have actually ran out of supplies for needy families on the east side of the county. Can you guys help us out? Brand new church. Somehow we're known for caring about our city. And so, like I said, God, God is at work. Uh, and it just, it just amazes me. Um, and, and, and that's you guys. You guys helped put on child care um, for, for that, which was really cool. Um, God is at work. We just last Sunday, we had, uh, there's, there's a, a recovery house that's set up right near the school for women who are recovering um, from addictions. They showed up at Elevate Hope. And, and worshiped with us. And, and, and just, I think they blessed us more with their just wonder for God and their, their excitement about church. They're like, this was amazing. And you can sing and, and there's so much hope here. And God is at work. And, and, and you launch a new church and you're like, okay, what's God going to do with this thing? And he's at work. We're starting evangelism and discipleship training in the fall with, with real opportunities to go out into our community and share the gospel. We partnered with a local organization called Care Portal that serves foster kids, foster families throughout the front range. And so we get to meet them. And so a need will pop up. We need a mattress uh, for my foster kid. We need a bed. We get to deliver that. And then we get to tell them uh, about Jesus. It's pretty awesome. We're exploring new partnerships with, with local ministries, uh, feeding the homeless, growing homeless population in Metro Denver. We're partnering with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, youth suicide, huge uh, problem. That's one of the reasons that we, we launched was to bring hope into that space. And so after COVID, it just feels like God is, is just starting to, to, to really give us opportunities again uh, to speak and, and live out the gospel in our community. Uh, we're getting ready to start our first round of, of uh, 
elders and deacons, the nominations, COVID just kept delaying and delaying and delaying. We've had a great leadership team in the meantime, but that's super exciting because that'll give us so much more capacity for ministry. Um, so like I said, God, God is at work at Elevate Hope. Um, we're seeing people take next steps in growing in Christ, joining a connect group, um, taking a step of faith, uh, inviting somebody to church. And so, you know, that's, that's the good stuff. Uh, church planting is not without its challenges, as you can imagine. Uh, hard stuff, the challenge just to get people to care about Jesus in Metro Denver. You know, faith is, if, if you're a believer in this room, faith is such a, a part of the air that you breathe that you kind of forget that Jesus is largely very ignorable in suburbia. You can just go about life and, and, and just forget about him. And so the challenge is always there. How do we make people care about Christ, care about God? And so that's a challenge. Um, a lot of the challenges we went through that you went through, the hyper-politicized uh, uh, world, people that once loved you and, and sang your praises, now leaving over political issues. What was the deal with that, right? I mean, wow. Um, if that makes the church history books, there's going to be a big weird question mark by that chapter, right? Like, Anyway, we went through that like you guys did. Challenges to, 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 to make disciples who make disciples. I mean, so, so many challenging things. But brothers and sisters, I just want to share it with, with this. Guys, Deer Creek uh, has launched Elevate Hope. I mean, you guys, our, our joys in ministry should be your joys in ministry because we were birthed out of this community, and that's pretty special. And so don't ever take that for granted. We love being a church plant of Deer Creek. We love um, being the, the daughter church that comes home and, and raids your fridge and steals the change off your dresser and cries on your shoulder. Um, but we love being a church plant of Deer Creek Church. And so my, my, my encouragement to you, my challenge to you, keep planting churches. It's costly. It's hard. You may see some of your church plants not make it. Elevate Hope may be in that category. Uh, who knows? Um, but keep planting churches. It's worth it. It is God's plan A to reach the world for Christ. Do it. Pray for it. Give towards it. Go help launch it. Um, Chad and Bonnie, are you guys here? Dave and Lynn. Man, guys that just bled uh, and, and helped us launch Elevate Hope. Go, give, pray, keep planting churches, Deer Creek. Uh, it, 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 it just lets so many more people come to know Christ. Well, that's a little update uh, from us. I was asked to bring you a psalm this morning. I hear that you guys are in the psalms. Is that right? Uh, and so uh, I, I asked if I could preach from Psalm 33. And so I preached on Psalm 33 at, at Elevate Hope as the last sermon in a series that we did called Seen. And Seen was a series that we were looking at, at men and women in Scripture that were seen by God in a special and a unique way and how that completely changed their life. And so if you want to listen to that series on, on our website or on our Facebook page, but that's kind of the backdrop as we look at Psalm 33 this morning. But first, let's pray. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the little church that's meeting at, at Homestead Elementary School right now. Bringing the real and lasting hope of Jesus 
to Metro Denver and beyond. We thank you for Deer Creek Church. We thank you we have the freedom to worship. You've given us your word, your authoritative, unchanging word that as the people of God, we have something to base our life on that will not change, but that will shape us. And Father, may we never shape your word to look like us, but may your word shape us to look like you. Father, I pray that we would see Jesus and him only this morning. Amen. Well, if, if there's two words that precede any great epic video-worthy fail in this world, it's the words, watch this, right? And little kids are, are masters at this. Kids want their parents to, to watch them do anything and everything because in their minds, everything that they do is epic and awesome. Sometimes that's a jump, that's a spin, or, or in, and it ends in a video-worthy face plant. But usually it's just something totally mundane, like, like blowing a bubble or bouncing a ball, right? And only a rookie parent thinks they can take their kid to a park or go to a practice and performance and get some much-needed mindless time on your phone or getting some work done. Because you can't. Because the constant, watch me! Daddy, watch me, watch this. Mommy, watch this. Eventually wears down even the laziest parents. And kids just want to know that they're seen, right? They want to know that, that their parents see them. It builds their identity, builds their confidence. And so the phenomenon of, of social media is simply this playing out for adults, right? And so at its very worst, the social media phenomenon is just an outworking of, of our human pride, right? Look at, look at this, this amazing bento box lunch that I made my kid, and, and you have your expired, uncrustable sandwich for your kid, right? At, at worst, it's just an outworking of our human pride, right? Look how beautiful I am. I'm making an ugly duck face, and I'm still absolutely gorgeous, right? That's the worst, but I think at its best... This social media phenomenon is simply adults and young adults expressing this desire that every human being has to be seen and to be noticed, right? Watch me. Watch me do this little dance for three seconds, right? Watch me make this, this hoop. Watch me jump. Don't you think I'm awesome? But the funny thing is, when it comes to God, if you're like me, you've got very mixed feelings about being seen. Very mixed feelings about being watched. See, when I'm doing something that I know that I shouldn't, I kind of hope that God doesn't see me in that moment. But when I'm doing something righteous and good, I want to shout, hey, watch me, God. And when we're suffering, when we're going through some sort of a, a trial or a difficult time, our question is, God, why aren't you watching me? Do you see me? And so in Scripture, we find tons of, of men and women who are seen by God in a unique way. People like Hagar, Zacchaeus, Hannah, the demoniac of the Gadarenes, David, the woman at the well, countless others. And as I looked through Scripture to find all these people, eventually I found someone much nearer who is also seen by God in the Bible. And that's each one of us. You're like, aw. But it's true. If you ever doubt that, we just have to go to God's word in Psalm 33. So if you have your, your, your Bibles or trust yourself not to shop on Amazon on your phones, you can turn to Psalm 33. 
But if we ever doubt that I, that, that, that I am one of the people that God sees, I am one of the people that God watches over and notices, check this out, Psalm 33, and we'll get to the whole psalm in a bit. Psalm 33, 13 says this, The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. So what does that mean that God looks at you, that God sees us, sees me. What does that mean? Let's read the whole psalm together. So Psalm 33, starting in verse 1, Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. And we'll get to the rest in a moment. And if you're new to the Bible, there's 66 books in the Bible. This book, the Psalms, is a song book. And by now in this series, you've probably already know that. But this is a songbook of songs written, worship songs written in times of, of joy, war, chaos, sadness, anger. The Psalms are the Bible's soundtrack to our life. The original Spotify playlist before Christian music got really bad. <laughs> Kidding. Um, sort of. So this particular psalm that we're in, Psalm 33, like a lot of psalms, and maybe you've, you've, you've gone through some of these, but it was written during a time of war. And as we know from watching the news of, of Russia and Ukraine, war is a time of uncertainty and chaos and, and trauma and all these things going on. That's when this psalm was written. And so what do people in war and conflict need to know? Well, they need to know that God is watching. Because if he's watching, it means that, that, that maybe he will intervene. But if he's watching, it means that he's still in control. And so the chaos and the horror of war, I need to know that God is watching. I need to know that he's in control. And I need to know that he's going to intervene somehow. And so the song starts off telling us that the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. It says, for the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full, it says, of the steadfast love of the Lord. Well, how can we, we know that? We could take the song's word for it, but, but, but how do we know that the earth is full of the steadfast love and, and faithfulness of the Lord? How is that put on display? And the psalmist here says that is put on display through God's creation of the world around us. And see, for the original readers of, of Scripture, discussion of God creating the universe wasn't an academic discussion. 
It wasn't a sterile academic discussion to talk about the origin of life. The discussion of God creating the world was a comfort in the midst of war. It was proof that God loves us, just as, it was, as much as it was a proof of our origin. Because they understood that whoever made the world is in control of the world. If it made itself, then no one is control. It's chaos. There's no should. There's no ought. If the world made itself, then there's nothing but chaos. But if somebody made it, then who are they? What are they like? How should I see myself in light of the one who made it all? And that's what scripture is about. So the psalmist says, how do we know that, that, that God is faithful and his love is steadfast? Well, the psalm says, because by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. We know that, that God's love for us is steadfast because we exist rather than not existing. There's something rather than nothing. You're alive. You're a living soul with the breath of God in you. That's how you know. You're complex. You're made, not just here by chance, the psalmist says. And not only did God make you, he says, but he actually ordered his world to support your life. That's how you can know that God has steadfast love for you. In verse 7, he says, He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. So he gathers the, the deep with boundaries so that we can live. And he stores up the deep in the heavens so we can have water for life. And so church, if you ever doubt that God sees you, if you ever doubt that he cares for you, just look at the dry ground beneath your feet and look at the rain falling from the heavens. That's what the psalmist is saying. God made you. He ordered his world to support you. The world is full of his steadfast love and kindness. He sees you. And so we know that God loves us with a steadfast love because Scripture says God made us. He made the universe to sustain us. And just in case we ever think, okay, God, God made the world, that's great, but then he just kind of turned us loose in it. Left me to my own devices. The psalm doesn't let us believe that because the second half of the psalm, the writer tells us that God's work in our lives is also based on his steadfast love, just like his work in the world. And so what does the steadfast love of God look like in our lives? What starts with him seeing us. And this is an incredible verse we're about to read. Verse 13, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all, it says, he sees all the children of mankind. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. See, that verse tells me that I don't ever have to wear God down by saying, watch me, watch me, watch this. See, God's not like me. He's not that tired Saturday morning dad that just wants to read the news and play Mario Kart while his children are just begging him to watch them. Watch me. Psalm 33 says, no, God's not that dad. He sees all the children of mankind. He sits enthroned. He's high above us. He doesn't have to see anything. He could be so high above us that we're just nothing. 
If you ever doubt that you're seen by God the Father, it says he sees you. We don't ever have to try to get his attention. So what does God see? Well, the psalmist wants, us to, wants to hit us with this. He repeats the word all four times in just three verses. And so just, we, just because they, well, maybe I'm the one person that God overlooks. You ever feel that way? He sees my neighbor. He sees my brother. He sees this person. Maybe I'm the one person that God has overlooked. Well, just in case I think that. It says, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants on the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. Okay, we get it, God. And so I never have to wonder, God, do you see all my milestones of pain? Do you see all my trials? Do you see all my joys? I never have to wonder, is God watching me in my suffering, grieving over me, grieving with me in times of sin, celebrating with me in times of righteousness? It says, the one who fashioned my heart sees me constantly. And you may read that and may hit you in different ways. That relentless scrutiny of our Heavenly Father may be a source of anxiety or guilt for us today but for the psalmist it was an incredible source of comfort and blessing because in a time of war it means that God sees every injustice every terror of war he's alert to every danger that threatens me and it means he knows my every need it means he has perfect knowledge of of me perfect control of my world he's the perfect source of hope for everyone on earth if they turn to him so God has perfect knowledge of us. It says, he fashioned your heart. Verse 15, he who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. So God's work in your life comes out of his having perfect knowledge of you because he made you. And that's amazing. It's amazing that God knows not just our deeds, which we do. I can know your deeds because I can see them. But it says he knows our hearts as well, which cannot be seen. And so that means that he cares about what we do. And it also means that he cares about our inner life as well. That part that nobody can see but him. That matters to him. The psalmist tells us that the, the, the heart that God fashioned in each one of us matters to him. Your heart matters to God, the psalmist says. And so we were created to have both our actions and our hearts tuned to God in worship. And so God seeing you means that he has perfect knowledge of every part of you. It also means he has perfect control over every part of our world. And that's a great comfort right now. Verse 16 says, The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might, it cannot rescue. And so that all, 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 all in verses 13 through 15 is followed by great, great, great in verses 16 through 17. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might, it cannot rescue. 
He sees all, all, all. And in our greatest things, we can't even save ourselves. See, God seeing all of us and all of our world means that he's not only all discerning, but he's all prevailing. And so the things that, that seem most great in your life right now, most terrifying in your life right now, terrifying in the world right now, are weak and fleeting in the eyes of God. He cares about it. He sees it. But he is so much greater than that thing in your life. His deliverance is greater than anything that we could use to deliver ourselves. And and in the psalmist's day, if you wanted deliverance from from war and chaos, you, you turn to armor, war horses, armies, warriors, all of that. What do we turn to today in the suburbs? As far as I know, none of you have a war horse. Maybe you do. What do we deliver ourselves with? Our education, our credit cards, self-help, right? Good old determination. That's what we try to deliver ourselves with. And the psalmist is saying, no, those things are not great. There's only one who is greater than all of your suffering and trials that sees you, fashioned your heart, knows you, and will deliver you through this. God's deliverance is greater than all those things because he is greater. And he sees you. He knows how your heart is going to respond to that trial because he made you that way. He sees all your faults, your weaknesses, your strengths, your hopes. Second Chronicles 16, 7 through 9 says this. He says, Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. God sees you. His eyes just roam, wanting to deliver his people when they turn to him. And God seeing us means he has perfect control of our world, control over both the huge armies and the little problems that threaten us. He's more mighty to save than all the earthly means we use to save and support ourselves. And God's watching over all means also this. It means that he is the only source of true hope. The psalmist says this in verse 18. It says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. And so 13 through 15 told us that God sees all the people he made. Verse 18 tells us that the eye of the Lord is on those who hope in him in a special way that's different than him seeing just just all of humanity. He sees all of humanity, but it says his eye is on his people in a special way to deliver them 
from death, to be their help and their shield. See, God's people have this unique ability to help live in confidence even in the midst of attack because our hope lies outside of the battlefield. Our hope lies beyond the sword and the shield that we carry to the greater shield of God himself, our shield. That's what he's saying. When I read this, my mind goes towards, okay, God, God sees me. But if he's my shield, why doesn't he protect me from everything bad? I don't know. <laughs> I know the Apostle Paul said it has been granted to me as a gift to suffer. I don't get that. God is my shield. Why doesn't he just protect me from everything? Well, why didn't he protect his own son on the cross? What I do know is that he knows my inner heart better than I do because he made it, the psalmist says. And that means he knows what's best for me better than I do. He sees not just my outer person, but he sees my inner being. See that word fashioned uh, there, if that's the, the word that you're your version uses that word fashion means that we were made with intention and care. And so ultimately, whatever we go through here, and we don't know why we go through some of this stuff, but we know whatever we go through here, we will be delivered from in the end. And because we have that hope beyond this life, we're, we're delivered right now from fear. So maybe we're not we're not just, just shielded from that trial, but we're shielded from hopelessness. We're shielded from fear of suffering and death right now. We can embrace it because we serve a God of hope. We have hope just beyond just the battlefield that we're on right now. God is our eternal reward, our eternal shield, our eternal deliverer that will ultimately save us from death and famine, even if he allows us to go through those things right now. Nothing escapes his eye. Romans 8 says this. It says, what shall we say then? To these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And he goes down to verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. That list was made to be completely comprehensive will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what does Psalm 33 mean for us? It means that as we wait, brothers and sisters, that as we wait for trials to be over, we can still wait in hope. Our soul waits for the Lord 
Verse 20 says, he is our help and our shield. We can wait as those who know our steadfastly loving Father in heaven sees us. We don't have to wait as people that are wondering, am I, am I seen? Am I overlooked? Does he care? We can wait as people who know that God sees us. And that means that we can wait in hope, but also the psalmist says we can wait in gladness. It's kind of hard to be glad these days. Verse 21, our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. How can the psalmist be glad in a time of war? Because he trusts his God. And he used the word name. He says trusting in God's holy name. Trusting in God's name means trusting in his reputation, in his character. What has he done before? How has he shown up? See, all those things I just shared with you about Elevate Hope at the beginning are things that I have to constantly remember and tell myself. There's a remembrance to that gladness. Because when times get hard and, and God, where are you? And is this church even going to make it for another month? What are we doing? Does anybody even care? I have to remember the name of the Lord, his reputation, his faithfulness. And I have to recount those things. Yes, he showed up. And I think he's going to show up again. See, the only way you can have a glad heart in a time of war, time of trial, is if you know your God like the psalmist knew his God. And so in the previous verses, the psalm talked about how God knows us. And now in the last part, it says, do you know God? God knows us. Do you intimately know your God? Do you know him enough to hope in his steadfast love? Verse 22. See, the Christian's hope is a sure and a patient hope because it's based on something that can't change. The love of God. That's why the love of God is called steadfast. And so that's what this psalm calls us to remember. Although the earth is, is full of the steadfast love of the Lord, it says, it's not yet full of people who know the steadfast love of the Lord. And that's the last piece of the psalm here. Okay, the earth is, is, is full of the steadfast love of the Lord, but as I look around in our cities and our communities, in my neighbors and my friends, I know that there's so many people who do not know that it's full of the steadfast love of the Lord. So if you're a follower of Jesus in here this morning, our role as people who know God is to live in, in hope and confidence in our God to say, I know he sees me, but it's also this. It's also to point others to the God who sees them. So that one day the earth can not only be filled with the steadfast love of the Lord, but with more and more people who know the steadfast love of God and are experiencing that through a relationship with Jesus. So if you're here this morning, you haven't put your faith in Christ, you're still figuring that, that out. You probably have Christians at, at Deer Creek Church keep, keep talking to you and pestering you about what Jesus has done and who he is. They do that because they care about you. They do that because they have this steadfast hope and love and joy that they've found, and, and they want you to know that too. 
And so our psalm this morning opened with this call. It says, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. See, it's only through our sin being crucified on the cross with Christ that we're made righteous. Only in Christ can we truly shout for joy no matter what comes our way. See, the one being, the one person in this world that we have to fear, God himself, has no more wrath for you if you're in Christ. He's your friend. He's not your enemy anymore. That's all been put on Christ, so now we can live in the presence of the God who sees us, who fashioned us, who made us, who is the author of everything. See, that's the message of hope that we have, that we cherish for ourselves, that we share with others. So in times of doubt, trial, fear, uncertainty, joy, celebration, know this. Know that the Lord looks down from heaven on you, church, Christian. If you haven't figured out who Jesus is, he looks down on you as well looks down from heaven, sees you. He fashioned your heart. He knows and sees your greatest moments, your greatest failures, your greatest heartbreaks. Know this, that you never have to beg your heavenly father to watch you. His love for you is steadfast, even when your watch me ends up in an epic giant face plant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this song, this worship song written on the battlefield, written in a time of chaos. We thank you for your church. It could be so messed up and stubborn at times, but oh, we thank you for your church. People who know you, know your steadfast love. Father, may we be a people who, who always are ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Help us plant more churches of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be, bringing real and lasting hope that Jesus alone can provide to our city, our community, our nation. Lord, may it be so. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.